Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. Now, let's turn our attention to God's Word. Welcome to today's Light Steps Live, and I want to jump right in because, you know, I am so excited because today we see how God plans to deal with these rascals, these destroyers, these destroyers of the faith, these enemies of the of the human soul. And I'm excited about that. Why am I excited? It's the same way you get excited every time you see the bad guy get it. We want to see the bad guy get it. And so let's jump right in today. Jude, this one chapter, delightful little book. Beginning at verse 14, I'm going to go through verse 16 today and just share a few thoughts from the book of Jude. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loud mouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. If you could pick a word out of that, I imagine the words you would pick out would be ungodly. Um, said it four times in a very short space. In other words, God's going to deal with the ungodly, and it is the ungodly who are the destroyers. Make no doubt about it. And today we see the end of destroyers in this sixth session here in this delightful little book of Jude. Jude starts out here in today's uh, few verses quoting Enoch, and this comes from an apocryphal book known as First Enoch. And it actually is pretty much a direct quote from First Enoch chapter 1, verse 9. Um, this doesn't mean that First Enoch should be regarded as scripture. Um, the value of Enoch's writing is immense. Uh, let me illustrate it like this. I love to read the anything written by John Owen or Jonathan Edwards or Calvin or Martin Luther. I love to read all the books that Ravi Zacharias has written and R.C. Sproul has written. I love to read all the books uh, by John Bunyan. Um, I mean, man, the list goes on and on. One of my favorite books is by a Chinese gentleman named Watchman Nee. Um, I love to read the sermons by Watchman Nee, too. I, I love to, to read study Bibles. I love to um, read anything by C.S. Lewis. I've enjoyed over the years Francis Schaeffer. Just because something is not scripture, it uh, does not make it worthless. But because it's not scripture, it's not scripture. So even though Jude is quoting from First Enoch, it doesn't make First Enoch scripture. It makes First Enoch useful. And of this useful bit that the Holy Spirit, that God himself wanted to insert into scripture, he does it. He takes an idea from First Enoch 1.9, an apocryphal writing not included in the canon of scripture, and he includes it here. And he does it. 
And there's a value to that, just like there's a value. I, I hadn't been uh, too very long, uh, did a study. It was based on a sermon series by Adrian Rogers on the authority of God. Um, the things that Adrian Rogers said were from Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers also quoted scripture. I found scripture we know to be immensely, eternally useful but I found many of the things Adrian Rogers said about those scriptures to be useful as well. If God um, had wanted anything Adrian Rogers uh, said to be included in scripture, God would have had Adrian Rogers uh, born and in ministry before uh, he um, led the church to canonize the scriptures. It's, it's just an important lesson. It's a side note here in today's thing. But the value don't lose the value of Enoch's writing is immense. And God takes of all of first Enoch and second Enoch, these apocryphal writings, God takes one little thing and gives it to Jude and uh, makes it part of scripture. Um, first Enoch simply didn't meet apostolic standards for the canon, but it doesn't mean his writings were utterly useless. Um, I cannot tell you, oh man, I didn't even mention some of my old favorites. Uh, I love reading uh, Clement of Rome, Clem Clement of Alexandria, Augustine. I, I, I don't agree with a lot, but I enjoyed studying Eusebius. Uh, I absolutely love Thomas Aquinas. Um, I love to read any book by John Piper and his sermons by John Piper. I mean, on and on and on. You get my point? What we do know is that God brings this one thing from first Enoch into the scriptures and makes it part of the canon. Okay, why is this important? It's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, we don't want to assume that Jude's bringing this in suddenly validates every non-canon uh, writing out there. Nor do we want to, for a moment, dismiss the usefulness of many non-canonical writings, both in present tense Christendom and in early Christendom and all points in between. It's, you know, maybe one day we'll do a podcast on what makes the canon the canon. The point is God wanted to draw one thing from this non-canonical writing into the canon and he used Brother Jude to do it. Um, so that's number one. Number two, what we know is that God is affirming the early antiquity voice of Enoch. Now, where do we know good brother Enoch from? Um, you know, that's that's simple. We know good brother Enoch from um, Genesis chapter number five. If you pick it up there and look in Genesis 5, 18 through 24, you'll find his name mentioned uh, uh, a couple times and you'll find the phrase walk with God used twice in verse 22 and 24. And I think what it reveals is he had an intimate, uh, intimate spiritual life with God. And that's um that's really important to note. He he had he had a um you might just say <laughs> I hesitate to use this word. We often think a devotion is some short little re reading that we do in the morning. And I've written a lot of devotions. I've, I've published three books of devotions, so don't think I'm putting them down. Now write one every day. <clears throat> but you know, Reading a devotional should be a tiny portion of a life of devotion. And I think this short story of Enoch in Genesis 5 quickly portrays in just a few sentences that the man lived a life of devotion. So out of this life of devotion, um, 
we we get some insight from Brother Enoch that the Holy Spirit uh, passed down through the oral tradition, gave us through non-canonical writings, and takes this one sentence and delivers it once and for all to the church. What did Enoch say? Um, he prophesied, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000s of his holy ones. This godly person, this seventh son from Adam, you know, he was behind Seth and Enosh and Kenan and Mahalalel and Jared. And then came Enoch, this, this seventh from Adam. And he, he gives us a prophecy. And what is the prophecy? The prophecy is, is simple. He's saying the Lord is coming. It is a prophecy of the return of a Christ who hadn't at this point even come. But the Holy Spirit had given it to Enoch to see. He could see the Lord's coming and he could see the Lord's coming again. And what would the Lord do when he come? He he would come and, and you know, I, I looked it up. You can find First Enoch chapter one. Uh, you can find it online. And I looked it up. Let me give you the whole prophecy of which, of which is only quoted in portion here. First uh, Enoch one uh, nine. This is exactly what it says. Behold, he will arrive with 10 million of the holy ones in order to execute judgment upon all. He will destroy the wicked ones and censure all flesh on account of everything that, that they have done, that which the sinners and the wicked ones committed against him. In other words, when we think about these destroyers, we know from pre-flood days that there were those, and we can name it, it's Enoch. There were those godly ones who understood through godly vision, through godly insight, that God would not put up with ungodly people forever. That he would come back and that he, I like uh, how that translator um Use the word censure. <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna put a stop to this mess. And 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 what what is the what is the thing that at the return of Christ he's gonna deal with? How is he gonna deal with it? Number one, he's gonna deal with it um, simply in judgment and in conviction. Where do I get that from? Look at verse fifteen. When he comes, and Jude instead of saying instead of saying ten million as Enoch had said, Jude said ten thousand. Um, I, I don't know that we have to have the exact number. The point is, it's going to be the the Christ and a whole lot of avenging angels <laughs> are going to come and they're going to execute judgment and they are going to execute uh, conviction. They're going to execute judgment and produce conviction for all the ungodly for their deeds and and not just the deeds of their hands, but the deeds of their mouth. And, and it's amazing to me. He's going to judge everyone and he's going to convict all the ungodly. Wow. Um, that feels heavy to me. That feels super heavy to me. But it's exactly what Jude says is going to happen to the ungodly. Um, and, you know, if you go back and look in Jude, verse number four, back up and look at that if you have your Bibles open. He says, certain people crept in unnoticed who long ago, were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So he, from verse four, you go down here to verses 14 through 16. And he's saying like, you know, that's, this is the same thing. It's those people who were long ago designated for condemnation. 
God has, God has seen it from afar. He has planned it from afar and he will execute it. God is going to deal with the ungodly. Somebody ought to say amen. And it wasn't just there in verse number four, but go, go down and look at verse number eight. Yet in like manner, these people also rely on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme the glorious ones. Remember, we talked about that. Back up a couple of podcasts. Back up a couple. And you'll, we talked about that. So here comes Jesus to deal with the blasphemers, deal with the ones who who uh, blaspheme the glorious ones. And Jesus is bringing the glorious ones with him. And remember, we said then, if you'll talk smack about an angel and God will get you for that, then imagine talking against God. And not just verse 8, but look at verse 10. These people blaspheme. All they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Verse 11, woe to them. So you get down here to verses 14, 15, and 16, it says, oh boy, we can see clearly from long ago these people, how they were going to be, what they're going to do, and now we are assured in understanding what he will do with them. He going to get them, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's a colloquial way, but it's accurate. God is going to destroy the destroyers and he's going to destroy them for, for what they, what they say and what they do. Verse 16 makes it clear. These people are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They're loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to, 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 to gain advantage. Clearly, clearly speaking here, what this means is these are people who deny God, disrespect God, and they watch out for number one. That That's a core problem here. They deny God, they disrespect God, they disrupt the lives of others, they disdain the life of faith and holiness, and, and they, they deny the Lord Jesus. And I want to tell you something. God is just not going to put up with that forever. Now, I told y'all, that's why I got so excited. Because I take great comfort in knowing God is not going to put up with this mess forever. He is going to, he's not going to put up with, um, go look at Matthew chapter five. Go look at the Beatitudes. Go look at Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12. Um, there are people who are mourning. There are people who are merciful. Um, there are people who are uh, pure in heart because they're hidden in Jesus. There are people who are working to be peacemakers. There are people who see their need for God. There are people who cling to God. That's what the Beatitudes tell us. And there is an eternal reward coming for those who in temporal nature held on to God, waiting for that reward. Likewise, there is an eternal punishment for those who in temporal space denied God, pursued sensuality, destroyed the faith, and worked against the church of God. So I take great consolation that for those who are pursuing life in Christ, we will not always suffer. And for those who are disrupting life in Christ, they will not always be out front. They're going to be dealt with. We can say a lot more. Man, I see. Man, where does the term go? Who? It's it is awesome. It is awesome to be caught up studying and and attempting to articulate the the good things of the faith and to share in the scriptures. Oh boy, friends, of all the things we could spend our time on that that we would get caught up losing our time in these endeavors. Look really quickly at some of these charges that are put against uh, 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 folks in in verse 16. 
says these are grumblers. One, grumblers. Two, malcontents. Three, they follow their own sinful desires. That means they're ruled by the flesh and uh, and they love it. They're loudmouth boasters. They're favoritists. And they use their favoritism to gain advantage. Another self-centered problem. Um, some situations in life require us to speak out, but not everything. And, and you know, a lot of times we use uh, uh, the excuse of just saying to, to, to become grumblers. And a lot of times we join in with these destroyers with our gun grumbling fault finders. Oh, my goodness. Look at social media. Some people's whole entire lives are spent grumbling and fault finding. Okay, look how slyly we can be taken in by the enemy. We can be duped and used by the enemy, caught up in his ways and doing his work. Following our evil desires. I mean, the scripture would tell us to 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 not look out for our own self, but to to spend our lives in sacrificial service to others. On and on and on. Big mouths who speak haughty words for the point of gaining their own advantage. The point is, we've been talking about for a few weeks here, how destroyers work, how they slip in, how in the face of nominal Christianity, we have positioned the American church to easily welcome in destroyers, destroying attitudes, destroying habits. Here's the good news. God is not going to put up with this forever. God will deal with these godless destroyers. God will strike them down. God will end their work. God will end their influence. What we must do is join Jude in contending for the faith. Let us ask ourselves today whether we spend more time contending for the faith or whether we spend more time joined in with the grumbling fault finders who live our lives simply seeking our own advantage. That is a very purifying inventory, and I pray the Holy Spirit give us bravery and insight so that if we find ourselves caught up with the grumbling malcontents who who run around running their mouth and finding fault and not serving the Lord and watching out for themselves. If we find ourselves in that position, may we have the holy trembling and holy bravery to repent and come again to the Lord. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode of Light Steps Live. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Light Steps Live is a listener-supported podcast. Would you be interested in sponsoring Light Steps Live? Go to our website, lightsteps.live, to contact us or make your donation. While you're visiting our website, check out the Light Steps blog for a short daily devotional. Tim Bowes is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Music